Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jessie Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 96 of This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today we're talking about how I managed an interstate move with type 1 diabetes, and we're also going to talk about Jesse's upcoming move, also interstate, to the same state where I moved to for college. I moved from Washington State to Montana at the end of April, and we had a kind of surprisingly smooth time, both with the move as a whole and with my diabetes. My win this week is, uh, so we're all, we're all settled in before anybody asks, we're all settled in. But my mom visited for the weekend and while we were here, we went on a hike and we also went on a long walk on two different days. And I think I handled my blood sugars pretty well for both of those. For the hike, it was post lunch. Actually, both of them are post lunch. But for the hike, I did bolus for lunch and I let the exercise bring it down. So my blood sugar kind of peaked to 190. But I didn't do anything to it because I knew we were going on a hike. And I knew that, you know, with hiking, my blood sugar would drop. And I only ended up needing one roll of Smarties on the way back up the trail, which was really nice. And even then, I probably could have done without it because I ended up going high again afterwards. But then it came down pretty pretty nicely. And then on the walk the next day, I actually suspended my insulin while we were at the restaurant And then I left my insulin off for the entire walk, like an hour, I think it was like an hour and a half total that it was turned off. I only had two Smarty Rolls during the entire three mile walk. And I thought that was like amazing because my blood sugar last time we visited Montana and you know we're not visiting now, but we're living here. But the last time we were here, my blood sugars were so off. It was ridiculous. But I'm just really glad that these two exercises, they just, my blood sugars cooperated. Awesome. (laughs) All right, Jesse, what is the fail? So my fail this week actually happened this morning and it's kind of a hard thing to do. So just if you're an older diabetic, just be per- like older, meaning you're an older teenager planning to grow up even more. So one of the things about growing up with diabetes is that when you turn 18 or you graduate from high school, you have to say goodbye to your endocrinologist. And I had to do that this morning with Dr. Thompson and it was kind of hard. She was my endocrinologist for the last 10 years, and we actually did the math on this, and I've seen her more times over those 10 years than I've actually seen most of my extended family. So she is family at this point and will ever hold a special place in my heart, and I couldn't... There's no way for me to express how much of gratitude that I have for her and how much I respect her as a doctor and as a person. She's just really cool. And it was really a hard morning that I'm not going to get choked up over right now because I can't handle that. 
at the moment. So what's our tip and hack, Colleen? (laughs) Well, first, I want to say that I'm really glad that I was able to stay as basically a virtual patient with Becky, my endocrinologist. Yeah. Because holy crap, I would not want to go through that whole process of finding someone else and then basically training a new endocrinologist on my version of diabetes. Yeah, it's I'm nervous, to say the least. (laughs) About Yeah, I'm not really worried. I'm just more nervous about like, about like judgment and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure most diabetics can relate to this, but most endocrinologists don't necessarily have diabetes. So they can't exactly relate to you on that specific level. Yes, they understand the science of it and how to treat it from like a one plus two equals three part of it. But once you get to the actual like living with diabetes, it's a lot more complicated than what they kind of see. And I'm not saying that they're not doing a great job or anything like that. I'm just worried that there's going to be like a little bit of a hit or you know, situation. You know how you can like mitigate that whole thing? Give her the podcast. Tell them, no, tell them <laughs> to listen to the podcast because this is real life with type one. Definitely. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. So if there's endos out there who want to listen to this, please do. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, so the tip this week. And this is uh, regarding moving again. So when you're moving, do not, and I repeat, do not send your diabetes supplies with your mover. Don't pack them in the moving truck if you're doing a self-move. Keep all of your supplies, and I mean all of them, literally all of them, in your personal vehicle with you at all times. Make sure your insulin is properly cooled for the whole trip. These are really, really expensive supplies, and you don't want them squished, crushed, or lost because they were sent with the movers or in the truck. Plus, if it takes you a while to get your things delivered, or if, God forbid, your things are held hostage by the moving company, you really do not want to risk going without your supplies for any length of time. So no matter how far you're going, make sure you have all of your things with you. So... We're going to split this up into different three different parts, at least for what I did. We're doing pre-move, move day, and then post-move. So for pre-move, as you can probably imagine, when you're moving, you're doing a lot of packing. It's basically packing, packing, packing. There's packing boxes literally everywhere. And I find when I pack, my blood sugar drops. <laughs> and so when I'm packing, I have to make sure that I have either a small amount of time set aside to do it, or I have bunch of smarty rolls with me. And if I feel myself dropping, or if I hear my sensor go off, I can just grab a smarty roll, chug it, basically chug a smarty roll, however that works, and then keep packing. And it also really helps to spread out your packing across multiple weeks or a, cu- a couple months if you have enough lead time before your move. And that way you're not trying to do it all at once at the very end and then rushing and like forgetting to have a smarty roll or a low snack because you're you're rushing so much to get everything packed. Another thing that I really recommend is if you can afford it, please hire a mover. <laughs> I have uh, done self moves before, both in college, after college, uh, when I'm when I got married, and hiring a mover like to actually not just well they didn't pack our stuff, but to actually like take our furniture, put it in a moving truck, and then moving truck and then deliver it. That was so worth the price because. I saved my back. Like I'm, I have a terrible back anyway. So lifting really heavy stuff, not great. And it also was great because we're now on a third floor, which is two flights of stairs. And (laughs) I'm so glad we paid a mover because I would have had to take so many breaks 
just trying to, to take stuff upstairs. My blood sugar would have been a problem. I would have been really frustrated. Like the whole, like having to move yourself adds so much more stress. So if you're packing, pack, pack yourself because that, that saves you money. But if you can hire a mover, please hire a mover. Even if it's intrastate or intra-city, like inside the city you're currently in, if you're just moving from one place to another, it's really worth it to hire a mover just because furniture is so, so heavy. It's also a good idea to pack a first day or first week box or like know where all of the things that you need are. Now, we didn't we didn't really do this, but we we got away with it because our mover picked up on a Thursday and delivered on a Friday. So we literally were overnight once without our stuff and we were in a hotel. So we we they are they actually delivered like a half hour after we arrived in Missoula. It was that fast. So we really lucked out on that and that's not typical. They they told us that was the fastest move they have ever done. So having a first day or a first week box will really help you be prepared for that that first day or that first week when you don't have all of your stuff with you. And that's another reason to have all of your diabetes supplies with you because you don't know how many sites you might have to go through the first week that you're there. And if you don't have those, it's really going to suck. Also make sure that your prescriptions are filled before you move and that you have enough supplies. I have a stockpile, so it was less stressful for me to take all of my supplies with me and not worry about having to get an extra shipment while I was on the road. But if you don't have that many supplies with you, make sure you get some filled if you can. And like, if you're, are you organized? I mean, people sometimes have diabetes supplies scattered all over the house. I had them all in one space in my closet. And so it was really easy just to go in and pack everything up from that one section. And now I have them, I think, really more in two places at this new place, but they're organized. I know where everything is. That's really helpful because if you can't find something, it's so frustrating, especially if you need it. You'll also want to update your addresses before you move in case something ships when you don't expect it to. That happened. (laughs) So one of my third-party suppliers sent me an email saying that they were processing an order and that it would ship on like three days after we had moved. And as soon as I saw that email, I went in and I changed the shipping address, but it was not soon enough. So even though they had only just started processing that order, they still shipped it to the wrong place like three weeks later when they actually shipped it. And I was like, I went in there. I checked. It said the shipping address was Missoula, Montana, but they still sent it to Sammamish, Washington. And so I had to get on the phone and and call the the third-party supplier and be like, why did you do this? And can you please send it to the correct address? So it got fixed, but that was some stress that I did not anticipate having to deal with. And if I had just updated all of those medical addresses ahead of time, like before even the next shipment processed, then I probably wouldn't have had to deal with that. You might also have to find a new diabetes healthcare provider ahead of time. I didn't think, thankfully, because I'm still virtual with my current endo. But if you do have to find a new diabetes healthcare provider, do it ahead of time and check with your insurance provider to make sure you don't have a dead period with coverage. It might take a few months to see a new person in a new city just because you don't know how booked up they are. And if you're on some kind of weird insurance thing where they won't approve your prescriptions for insulin unless you see a doctor, you need to make this a priority. So make sure that you don't have any dead space and coverage so that you can get your prescriptions when you need to. 
And if you're moving for work, you might also have to change insurance plans. So this is a really good reason to make sure you have enough supplies on hand to last you through that next appointment in the new place and to last you through any like waiting period before a new insurance kicks in. Because some companies like insurance benefits don't start until the first of the month. And if you start on like the second of the month, then you might go the rest of that month without insurance. That actually happened for me. I started on the 7th of August. Not like anytime recently, it was like four years ago, but I started on the 7th of August and I had the rest of August without insurance. So my insurance started on September 1st. And that's like, I had to make sure I had enough supplies to get through that time. Doing this will also involve talking to your current doctors about the move and then lining up your record transfers to the new providers. It's just a, and, and talking to your doctors ahead of time will also help you get any prescriptions filled that you need filled before you move. And as you can probably imagine, Moving involves a lot of stress. <laughs> There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of to-dos with moving. And I found that I had a lot of uncertainty when it came to actually getting a, a, par- a place here. So we had a lot of uncertainty about whether or not we were actually going to get an apartment when we wanted to. And I found that that stress probably impacted my blood sugars. So it made my my control a lot worse. I was spending a lot of time like ruminating on it and worrying about it and thinking about like, well, what will we do if we don't get a new place? And that definitely affected not just my mood, but my blood sugars. And then all of the to-dos of moving, there's a lot of different checklists out there. You can find whatever checklist you want, but they're never going to be specific to your situation. So I always find that making my own lists and like working through them in a logical manner really helps kind of calm the crazy and calm the stress, especially when it comes to my diabetes. So if I know exactly when like my thing, my diabetes supplies are going to be packed, if I know exactly where they're going to go in the car, if I know basically everything to do with all of my diabetes stuff for the move, then I feel way better. Another thing that to be careful of before the move and like packing up and stuff is to be very careful about injuries. So you can tweak things like muscles and stub things like toes and scrape things like feet. And any of those injuries... Like as a type 1 diabetic, we heal slower anyway, like we have kind of messed up immune systems. And it's really important to make sure you clean every scrape, every cut, everything that you get, like take care of all of your injuries as soon as they happen so that they're not putting you out of commission for longer than you expect. And the last thing for before the move is to make sure you check every single nook and cranny of your old place before you leave. You really don't want to forget anything, especially not any of your diabetes supplies. And I have a couple tips here. Check the fridge, because if you're a diabetic who keeps your insulin in the butter compartment, that butter compartment might not have a clear cover. It might have an opaque cover, and it might be closed. And so when you open the fridge and look inside and see that it's empty, the butter compartment might still be closed, and it might still have insulin in it. And you really don't want that to happen. So check the fridge. And the other thing is if you have like a front closet that hides behind the front door when the front door is open, you are going to want to check that closet. This happened when we moved from Eastern Washington to Western Washington. Like we got the apartment all clean, everything was out. And then I think it was my father-in-law was like, what's in this closet right here? Because the front door opened right in front of it. And so the whole time the front door was open, we didn't see the closet. And (laughs) we ended up having to like shove these loose jackets and hangers into all of the like the open spaces in all of our cars and i think it took like three different cars and a u-haul to take us out of that place 
But we had to like stuff all the stuff from that, that last closet into all the nooks and crannies because we forgot to check the closet. So make sure you check everything before you leave. Now, move day. Make sure you get enough sleep the night before. So if you don't, it will 100% affect your blood sugar the next day. And then all of that extra stress will just make everything seem a lot worse. It might not actually be worse. It might just seem worse because you didn't get enough sleep. I know I'm really annoyed and irritated when I don't get enough sleep. And if I hadn't gotten enough sleep that night, then it would have been terrible. When you're loading your car, this is the car that you're going to drive in, not the car that's going to the truck or whatever. When you're loading your car, make sure you're being really strategic about where you place things. So our move, we had to drive, I think, eight hours from Washington to, to Montana. And we took our, we did, basically took our lunch with us. We took all of our food with us. We have this big cooler and we stuck that on the passenger side so that we could open the passenger door and open the cooler so that we could have access to all of our food like during the trip. And that wouldn't have been able <laughs> We wouldn't have been able to do that if uh, it was in the back of the car because we were expecting to take our bikes on a bike rack and then we wouldn't have been able to open the back without taking the bikes off and then that would have been a whole other thing. So we made sure that we had really easy access to everything that we needed during the actual drive. And we also had a nice little nook in the middle of uh, the car at the front for the cat <laughs> because, oh, my cat, she did she was not happy on that trip. But like the, basically the thing is be very strategic about where you put things, especially your diabetes supplies. Again, if you need access to some stuff while you're driving, make sure that is in, in, in an easy to get, to get to place. If you can bring your, bring some food with you. And a pro tip for coolers is do not put your insulin on the ice packs. Now I didn't do this, but we, we did put a little package of those healthy noodles from Costco onto the ice packs and it froze solid. <laughs> yeah so it froze solid and then after the fact i'm like hmm i'm really glad i didn't put any insulin on those ice packs because then my insulin would have frozen and as we all know frozen insulin is basically dead can't use it because it breaks it down if you can meal plan ahead of time do that and then bring that food with you we ended up really trying to eat down what we had in our pantry and what was in the refrigerator so that we didn't have to take a lot with us and that ended up working out really well so I just brought ingredients for some salads and some snacks, and that was basically it. We didn't have very much else in that cooler except for my husband's food and the insulin and just some other things that were left over from the fridge that we didn't want to get rid of. If you can't meal plan ahead of time or if you have a longer drive ahead of you, look up restaurants along your route ahead of time so that you can check out their menus and know exactly what you want to eat and if, like, if you'll have to bolus for any of it. It's probably healthier to bring your own food if you can, though. Again, on moving day, you'll want to be taking a lot of breaks, um, especially if you're kind of, if you're moving uh, or packing a truck yourself, make sure you give yourself enough time to take some rest breaks or drink some water or eat some food. When um, our movers were at our apartment, I was taking breaks, just kind of sitting off to the side and doing my own thing while the movers did theirs. And then after they were done, we took a break to eat lunch before the cleaners came and then we basically took a break after that, after we got to the hotel, because like there wasn't really much to do except sleep overnight and then get the cat in the morning. So it's like, take a lot of breaks if you can. Have low snacks on hand, like low snacks, low snacks, low snacks. Moving will drop your blood sugar like nobody's business. If you have like, have low snacks with you, like don't, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Don't pack those. <laughs> don't pack your low snacks. <laughs> 
keep your low snacks with you, like on your purse or in your on your person. Just keep them with you. I had them in my backpack and in my purse, and that was fine. If you can, uh, suspend your pump sometimes just to help prevent those lows. If you're on control IQ on the tandem, you can't do temp basal, so the next best option is suspend, especially if you think control IQ is not catching your lows fast enough. And if you're not on a CGM, set alarms on your phone to check your blood sugar often. Uh, we did an episode with Doris Hobbs a, long, a while ago, I think it was episode 44, and she was telling us about a time she was mopping the floor, and she didn't realize that she her blood sugar was 44 until she checked herself. So that's a great example of uh, hypo unawareness, so not being aware of your lows. So if that's a problem for you and you don't have a CGM and you're moving, make sure you set alarms on your phone so that you have a prompt to go check your blood sugar and force yourself to take a break. You'll also want to try to eat foods that help keep your blood sugar stable. So that's a lot of protein, a little bit more fat than you're probably used to. Too many carbs will cause spikes. And then when you correct for those spikes, you'll drop. And so you'll just be on this annoying roller coaster. And that is really not what you want to do for a move day. You want to have really stable blood sugars. You want to also communicate with your mover if you're hiring one. Tell them you're a type 1 diabetic. I I told my mover and it was more of a conversational piece because I was um, actually I can't remember exactly why it came up. But was, I, I think I just said I have type 1 diabetes. I used to work for a moving company. So I might have to step aside and, you know, do whatever. And he actually really appreciated that I told him. And if I hadn't told him and I had to go take care of something, he might have been like, what is this lady's problem? So it's always a good idea to make sure you're communicating with your mover and uh, tell them you're type one if it comes up or if you think it's important. And I think it's important. Remember the 42 factors that affect blood sugar? We'll link to this in the show notes. It's basically an infographic from Diatribe on 42 factors that affect your blood sugar. And one of those is being in the sun, and that has the potential to lower your blood sugar. Make sure you're paying attention to what your number is, especially if you're moving in the summer. And we kind of sort of moved in the summer. It's not really summer. It was uh, like mid-spring, but it's still warm where we were, where we are. So it was, um, it was really important to me to make sure that I was staying out of the sun as much as possible and checking my blood sugar to make sure I wasn't going low. And again, with injuries, move day can probably be a really hectic time. Well, not probably. It is going to be a hectic time. Who am I kidding? And you might miss injuries if you kind of like accidentally brush up against something or you move too fast and you hit something. You're just like, oh, shake it off. But no, make sure you stop and like take a moment and actually deal with your injuries. Treat all cuts and scrapes immediately. And that's another thing to keep out of your <laughs> move kit is first aid. Make sure you have some first aid stuff. On the other side, for post-move, there's a bunch of stuff. So there's unloading. Again, with moving a lot of boxes and a lot of furniture, your blood sugar is going to drop. If you live on like the third floor or higher than the third floor, you're going to be going up and down a lot of stairs. That's exercise. Your blood sugar is going to drop. Based on all of that, make sure you have your low snacks. We've talked about that a lot. Low snacks, those are super important. I don't even know how many Smarties I ate during our entire move process, but it was probably a lot. Once you have all of your furniture in your apartment or your house, you're probably going to be moving furniture around, like rearranging it, like putting it in better positions. That will lower your blood sugar. It's all exercise. And also with moving furniture around, you might bump or scrape yourself. And that's another opportunity to check those bumps and scrapes and take care of them before they turn into something that's going to be a problem. You also should coordinate your unpacking. And what I mean by this is it doesn't have to be in a single weekend, but 
really try to get all of your stuff unpacked within a month. We were fully unpacked within a week, and I'd say we are pretty much fully settled, and it's been it's been almost exactly a month. In a couple days, it'll it'll be a month. I know people who have not unpacked boxes that they moved into their house like five years ago. So if you have stuff like that, like you don't need that stuff, just get rid of it. But if you coordinate unpacking, then you have a better idea of the timeline and a better idea of how much time it's going to take to like get stuff unpacked and settled and, and set up. And that all affects your blood sugar. I know I was the kind of person where if stuff had stayed in boxes for weeks on end, I would have gone bananas. I would have been driven nuts because of it. And I know when I'm feeling stressed out and anxious about all, all sorts of stuff, my blood sugars are affected. Again, with unpacking, you want to take breaks. Uh, you also want to update addresses. And this isn't just addresses for your shipping companies. It's addresses for literally everything. Probably the most important one is uh, USPS. So they have a, a mail forwarding thing that you can fill out. That's probably the most important because if you forget to update the address with someone, the mail forwarding yellow sticker will tell you who it is. So and it'll tell you that you need to update your address with this person. I don't know if it works for packages, so if you get packages, make sure you update those people individually. But update, updating your addresses is super big. It's super huge. It's super important. If you didn't already find new doctors, you'll want to find new doctors. And the way I'm doing that is I'm searching through my insurance provider's find a doctor website. And so that takes my location and the specialty and it pops out all of the doctors that are basically filling that criteria. I kind of already covered this, but take time to get settled. That probably just fits right in with unpacking, but getting settled kind of involves more than just unpacking. It's It also kind of includes meeting the neighbors, acclimatizing, is that a word? Acclimating, acclimating, there we go. Acclimating to the area. Um, I mentioned earlier when we visited Missoula in October, my blood sugars were all over the freaking place. And I was actually prepared for my blood sugars to be kind of weird this time, but they weren't. But I was prepared ahead of time in case it did this really weird thing, which didn't. I mentioned meeting the neighbors. We still haven't really gotten around to that one yet. It's kind of trying to figure out how to do it without being weird. And uh, yeah, just basically how to do it without being weird. Another thing that you'll uh, probably want to do and maybe find yourself doing anyway, even if it's not really on purpose, is you'll be establishing new routines. So I ended up having kind of a slightly different morning routine and kind of a different like routine for workday and my food and my exercise and my personal time. It's all been adjusted a little bit from where I was living before. Part of it was on purpose and part of it was just natural changes based on the environment. So the sooner you can establish a new routine, the sooner you'll kind of feel more at home in your new space. You'll also need to figure out where to store your diabetes supplies in the new place. In our old place, we had this nice drawer in the fridge, and that was like my insulin drawer, but now we don't have a drawer in the fridge, so the insulin is just going on a shelf in the drawer. And then the currently used bottle is in the butter compartment. Surprise, surprise. And just make sure you remember where you put your diabetes supplies, because in a new place, it might be easy to forget where you put things, and it'll take some time to remember like placements and things like that. So if you can remember where your diabetes supplies are, that's pretty better, like pretty good, all the better. And then the last thing I have related to our move was to be patient with yourself. Your body in particular might need some more time to get used to the new place than your mind does. 
And that goes back to when we visited in October and my blood sugars were wild and weird. I don't know what, what was up with that. Maybe it was the altitude, the humidity, whatever. Where we're living now is like, I think 3,000 feet above where we were before. So it's a little bit different elevation. And so it might take my body a little bit more time to get, get settled than my brain does. So be patient with yourself. And now Jessie is going to tell us what she's planning to do to help with her move to college. Yes, this is the plan. I hope it goes as smoothly as I hope it is going to go when I do move. But if for this outline, it probably will. It's some pretty easy guidelines to follow and stuff like that. So with moving into college, it is a little bit more different than moving into a house per se, or just moving from an apartment to a house or, you know, apartment to apartment. It's a little bit different than that because you're moving in also with somebody else living in the same room as you. Personally, I haven't had to do this for the last seven, eight years. So yeah, this will be a little interesting. I do have a chart of everything that I'm using, the supplies I'm using, the amounts, when, how long they last. And I use that to keep track of like the quantities over how long that I'm using them for. So it makes packing a little bit easier. And I have mentioned this before in a couple of episodes about my little log that I keep. So this is going to make it really easy. It's kind of a key uh, piece of equipment in this move because I'm not going to be having everything shipped out to me in the dorm rooms. Personally, I kind of find that almost a little bit unsafe in case somebody goes through my mail or those practical jokes that kind of go around in college dorms. So, so far the way the insurance and the doctors are set up, I am going to be coming back to Washington every couple of months to get appointments and to get prescriptions renewed, which is totally fine. That's just basically August before I leave, December, spring break, and summer break. And then again, starting that all over. And it gives me a chance to see my family and stuff like that too. So, so far I have planned to pack all the equipment I need. So insulin and meos and reservoirs and all that stuff like that is all going to be still shipped to my parents' house. Just my one parent's house. We talked about this the last episode too, because my parents are divorced. If I got one shipment of one thing to my mom's and then another to my dad's, it would make more com- it more confusing. And even now that I'm going to be moving to Montana, it would make everything so much worse. So we're going to keep the same process where everything is going to be shipped to my dad's house. My endocrinologist appointments are going to be made so that I have everything ready to go. My prescriptions are renewed. I'll get to meet my new endo about two weeks before I move out. So all that stuff will be ready to go, ready to, if I need to go to Costco, if I need to go to wherever to get like a prescription filled, or maybe my insulin goes bad, or, you know, maybe something happens. There's a Costco and a Walmart right in town to where there's a pharmacy in both of those places. And I do have a Costco card. So that's meaning I am prepared in case something goes wrong with my insulin. For the actual moving part, I already have two boxes that of everything that I use on a regular basis for my diabetes care. Things like Mio's, reservoirs, syringes, needles, my sensor equipment is in a, that second box. All of that are in two separate boxes already. And those are the things that I use daily. Those aren't the emergency glucagon and other things like that, which will also be eventually pot- packed into those daily boxes. So 
everything's already in boxes. I know what's in there. I have my log. I'm very prepared. (laughs) So I'm doing my best. I think I'm doing this the right way. So I'm going to have, the plan is to have everything packed, prescriptions renewed, and everything that I'm going to need in those boxes and a few months supply in those boxes too. With that, in one of the boxes for my daily stuff and not my sensor stuff, I'm going to have a file folder of pump failure plans, phone numbers to doctors, medical helplines, medical records, insurance paperwork, anything that I might need in case I need to go to the hospital for any reason. So that's going to also be in my daily use box that my roommate will also have access to just in case she needs it or something goes wrong. One of the main things that I'm trying to stay focused on right now is letting the stress not to get to me, which is kind of hard to be honest right now because I'm less than four weeks from graduating high school. I have orientation the following week. And then after that, I have my best friend's grad party. And then I go to Montana by myself. And then I come back for a week. And then I go on vacation for a week and so on and so forth. So with moving, there comes a lot of stress. And specifically for me, that affects my blood sugar, usually on the higher side. And we did notice that today with my HB1AC when I got tested for it was 7.6. Usually it's a little bit lower than that, like around 7.2, 7.3. So I'm definitely starting to notice that I need to take better care of myself and start paying more attention to what's going in my body and how it's making my blood sugars react because I've Stress makes me really sensitive to carbs, which is normal. That's fine for my body. Good example of how my brain kind of works with this stress is one day you wake up, you have a really high day. It's an awful day. You get discouraged and all of a sudden your HP1AC is crazy high and your parents force you to move home. Yes, this is an exaggeration, but it is it makes the point that I overthink and a lot of diabetics overthink too, but It's important to remember to be calm and I'm trying my best to keep that in mind. I will say that I never had the thought that my parents would force me to come back home because my blood sugars were terrible. And that just goes to show that everybody's brains are different, but we all catastrophize. Yeah. So I don't think my parents would ever force me to do that, but I think they would definitely like have me check in more or start going back to being like a little on the protective side when it comes to my diabetes. They haven't been like that since I was like 13. So I'm really not that worried about it, but like I'm worried about it. (laughs) See, when I went to college, I was so happy because it like turned off the ability for my mom to be a helicopter parent. Right. And I'm hoping that's what this is going to do. Like I'm really hoping for that. I'm not saying my parents are helicopter parents, but like, At this point, when they ask about my diabetes, I just kind of roll my eyes and say I'm fine. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, the end. (laughs) It took me a long time to get my mom to stop asking what my blood sugar was. And now when she asks, I'm just like, I I show her my insulin pump, which has my CGM data on it. And I'm like, here, look, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) And she likes it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I think you're going to have a lot of fun in college. All right, the spotlight this week is on the College Diabetes Network's Off to College with Diabetes Guide, and that's available on their website, and you can find the link to that in the show notes. There's a section there for a moving timeline, which will help even if you're out of college and moving as an adult. Some of their move-in tips include, (laughs) we've already talked about this multiple times, but have low snacks ready. It's kind of important. 
Check your fridge to make sure it's plugged in. This is more for a mini fridge, but it's also important to make sure your full-sized fridge in an apartment or a home is actually cold because if it's not, then you need to talk to maintenance or you need to, you know, do it yourself because home ownership sounds like fun. You'll also need to go go food shopping to make sure you actually have enough food and the types of food that you like. Make sure your supplies are accessible. Talked about that. Have a glucagon kit readily available. This is if your low snacks don't work or you forget or your CGM doesn't go off or you don't have a CGM. If you go low and you pass out, you will probably need to have glucagon administered. And also find the closest pharmacy. And that's if you're not doing mail order and you need something right away. But even if you are doing mail order, I guess it's really a good idea to know where all of the closest pharmacies are. All right. Question for the audience. All right. Our questions for you guys this week are... Have you ever done a move with type 1 diabetes? Meaning, have you moved? Has your family moved? Has your kid moved? Or have you helped your kid move? Because my parents are going to be doing that, and I'm sorry in advance. And is there anything that you're really proud of about moving with diabetes? Like good blood sugar control, you had, you were prepared, you had everything set up, you had your pharmacy all ready to go. What is it that made you proud about moving? Okay, cool. Well, what I'm proud about is that, like, it was so smooth. (laughs) Didn't have to deal with, like, late shipment or, like, movers not figuring out where we were. It was just, it was all smooth. It was the smoothest move I've ever done. And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 96. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on our page at thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. I have a Facebook group where I coach people for free in the comments, and I go live on most Saturdays. You can join Life and Mindset Coaching by visiting the link in the show notes. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward. I'm on the Diabetes app as at Colleen Mitchell. And our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, please make sure you mention your listener of the show. And before I forget, I would like to give a shout out to my friend Nick, who is also a type 1 diabetic, and he reached out on Instagram. Go Nick! Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.